Hello, today we are with Dr. Ankita Sharma from the Indian Institute of Technology. We're so happy you're with us today. How are you feeling? I'm actually feeling very great. So thanks for have, thank you for having me and giving me an opportunity to really talk about my work, you know, especially the intervention program I did and all the other work I am continuing since then. So thank you. I'm feeling great. Oh, we're so happy to hear that. We're feeling great with having you here. Um, and we'd love to hear more about your work as well. So as always, we'll be chatting lots about wisdom here today. Uh, and Dr. Sharma, as an expert scholar in the field, um, you have developed a program that teaches for wisdom and leadership. Um, so can you please tell us a bit about that program, if you can, you know, how you came to develop it and a bit about yourself? Okay, so let me start with myself first, and then I'll go to the program you just mentioned. Um, so you already know my name. I'm Ankita Sharma, and currently I'm an associate professor of psychology at IIT Jodhpur. Um, so uh, actually, wisdom has always been part of my research agenda. It's always been, you know, center of my work from my doctoral work itself. Um, so when I finished my master's, and at that point, my specialization was clinical and counseling psychology. And then I started with my doctoral work at Banaras Hindu University. I was looking for something which is, you know, positive about human functioning, human behavior, uh, because I had already discussed a lot, did my dissertation on mental illness. So I was looking for, you know, what compensates to that negative aspect. Um, and I guess, uh, uh, you know, one of the reason for this interest of mine was my very firm belief on assumptions of positive psychology. And, you know, that I'm a follower of a humanistic approach. So uh, that was the reason I was looking for something positive. And uh, again, for me, I was like one place, one area where this is very important is possibly old age. You know, whenever somebody talks about elderly, old age, it is always talked, you know, in sense of decline or something, you know, uh, your body not working, your mind not working, everything is going down. There is only one thing which is positive and growth wise when people talk about old age. And that is like, you know, your experience makes you wiser, better. So I had some of that thought in my mind. And then while I was doing literature search for my doctoral work, I came across work of Monica Adult, right, on wisdom. So it was like my fate was decided that this is exactly what I'm looking for. Uh, adding to that, uh, actually, uh, I belong to a Brahmin family. And um, my father was an avid Sanskrit uh, scholar, okay? He was topper of university in Sanskrit. So we, we used to chat a lot, you know, the wisdom of Hindu scriptures and then uh, sages and their knowledge of life. So in retrospect, when I look back that why I was looking for such kind of topic to do my doctoral work is influenced by all of these factors, you know, uh, my training in clinical psychology, and then my belief in positive assumptions, and my father being Sanskrit uh, scholar. So I was trying to somehow, you know, combine all of it. So finally, in my doctoral work, I looked at the day to day changes in functioning for elderly people and how it impacts their subjective sense of well being, and whether wisdom has any moderating and mediating role there. So that was my doctoral work. And once I finished that, I joined uh, Indian Institute of Technology, Jodhpur in 2013. And I wrote my first project proposal uh, that same year. And it got funded uh, from the Department of Science and Technology, uh, which is Government of India, you know, Ministry under Cognitive Science Research Initiative. So getting that project sort of boosted my belief that I'm, you know, on a right path. I'm doing mm -hmm. something appropriate. So wisdom started with all of that. Now coming to this intervention program, uh, while I was doing data collection for that project work of mine, and then, you know, all my classes at IIT Jodhpur, uh, whenever discussion happened that why am I interested in wisdom? You know, it seems like a philosophical concept. How is it different than in psychology I'm studying it? And I, I would always explain the value and importance of wisdom. and what is needed is empirical investigation, not just, you know, thought and philosophies and ideologies. 
so obviously the next question would be that if it is so important and if it is like an empirical investigation can you develop that among people can people you know develop it or if it is something inborn then what's the point so uh, that sort of uh, made me thinking that you know it's actually important you have to bring this into uh, intervention something uh, you know which you can develop in people so i started looking at literature but uh, there wasn't much there you know you'll find lot of models you'll find a uh, uh, lot of correlational studies coming up but not really anything specific on this so then i decided that i want to experiment with it i want to at least gather some proof of concept that if it is possible or not and that got me thinking and then i started you know designing this and finally launched it and got it completed in 2017 so that's the basic of it sorry not Amazing. really small one but a slightly longer version of it no i love that thank you so much and we just recently had dr adel on the program as well um so that must have all been very exciting you know getting the program up and running um and we kind of spoke about this before we started recording but um so with the indian institute of technology being more of like an engineering uh territory um how do you think wisdom finds its place there and why do you think it's so important to have okay uh so uh see first thing is it it doesn't really have to do anything with uh, uh engineering per se uh, but why engineering students are so uh, interested in it and i found like really their interest there because as i was saying that usually the elective courses we offer for the class size is 80 or so but always in my courses uh, there'll be like uh, between you know 150 to 250 students that's usually the class size i have so they are really interested in psychology they are really interested in uh, you know there is always a component i include where i talk about emotional regulation or i talk about self awareness or i'll talk about the social cognition and what uh, what i believe is that all of these get connected with wisdom at some level you know if we look at wisdom from the personality angle uh, it is always believed that that is like you know even erickson's model it says that you know it's the highest level of development and the virtue which develops there so it sort of connects there and because students are so interested in it they always sort of gravitate toward that kind of a discussion so even after class discussions what i have students will talk a lot about it uh so maybe that is another reason i felt confident in launching such kind of intervention program so uh, maybe that's the reason not specifically mm -hmm. technology all students are interested mhm mm and likewise you were saying that's why they gravitate towards leadership because i think you were saying you know they usually gravitate towards entrepreneurial positions and that's really important in engineering would you agree yes totally and also even if they are not going toward uh, entrepreneurial ventures even if they go for you know a typical job uh, uh, they are also usually iitians start more at a leadership position you know not really starting entry level position so from starting then sir itself they have to show those leadership qualities they have to lead a team so uh, you know they always want to know how do i do it how do i manage people how do i manage projects how do i manage creativity you know all of that so uh, leadership in connection to wisdom is always something what they are looking for mm -hmm. and um as you said there are lots of uh, correlational studies on wisdom and you know some empirical studies thankfully as well but um so in terms of changes in your students uh, i know you said you know they quite enjoyed it and it was really apparent through discussions um but did you see any other changes in their behavior or attitude or perhaps their well-being as well uh after the intervention program you met okay yes yeah, yeah either during or perhaps a few months after or even let's say in the long term um what do you think would have happened okay so um this intervention program when i did it uh, mostly the students were from seventh semester of their four year program okay like last year of uh, their program undergrad program so uh, 
at that point of time i was not really looking for anything long term because you know as i said i was more uh, there to gather certain proofs that you know this kind of a change can be created obviously there are a lot of you know intervention studies where people have used mindfulness for increasing self awareness or regulation or any of the techniques i used but that comprehensive set and uh, you know checking the change on wisdom in certain way that sort of a work you won't find so i was more of looking at you know immediate changes can i see something especially can there be certain statistical level changes significant statistical changes uh and thank god uh, though marginal but statistically significant difference was also there as you know uh, in the publication i have mentioned that um at the perception level though a lot of things happen so students and their feedback what i got and also the teaching assistants uh, who were with me in that course and that program the feedbacks i got from them is that the whole intervention program had a really significant influence on their way of looking at things so uh, you know uh, so uh, i don't know if i mentioned this or not but um, in the journal writing uh, exercises what we used though i could not uh, report that in any of my publication because my students were were not comfortable in uh, getting that recorded it was very personal to them so i did not keep a copy with me but we had discussions one on one discussions on those so if i recall from that most of the participants they felt that engaging in such exercise change you as a person changes you the way you look at the things which are happening in your life you know you take a different standpoint uh, so no matter how uh, for a how small period of time you have done mindfulness exercise or reflective exercises journal writing exercises it gives you a flavor of what else could happen in your inner mind you know your inner life and that experience changes you so at a subjective level there was a lot which was reported obviously objective level it's always a different story so there was a lot of change um short term uh, very significantly long term i'm not sure but i'm just sort of deducing from these feedbacks uh, that there was something and students were happy about it because my inbox after that course was sort of jammed with the request that please offer similar courses or please do it again so i was like okay be happy with the psychology courses i'm teaching you right now uh, but there was lot of request so there is something and i'm like really eager to explore it more yeah mm-hmm. and you must have been very happy with the outcome and everyone's responses too yeah very you can see it on my face right now <laughs> i can i wish the audience could see that's okay <laughs> um and so gosh yeah that i that just makes me wish i could have be, been in that setting as well because over here at least for me or my friends sometimes when you're going through your undergrad or your courses it's very easy to just go on autopilot and not have that like you know see the world in a different way see yourself in a different way um and even for our and i mean i can't speak for everyone there but for our engineering department one of our prof said like yeah like students mostly just care about getting grades 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 not like more like you said i when we were speaking before the recording like seeing yourself as a whole person and such um so i think that's why courses like this are really really important um and so to add on to that um i believe in 2017 or so uh you emailed us saying that you had to stop the wisdom component um of the leadership course um so i'm just wondering you know uh were you able to pick it back up again or and uh, do you hope to have that in the future okay so first let me comment to the part you mentioned that you know uh, usually undergrad education people are not able to experience you know beyond uh, that typical uh, you know gaining information i would say uh, that's true for here also for people also but uh, if uh, 
all the news we hear that you know happiness courses you hear from many places like pennsylvania university happiness course was like huge number of enrollments right mm-hmm. um, dr davidson yes so yes. you know we know that uh, that is something what people are looking for it's just that we don't have that in our education system right so i'll stop it at that point here uh, maybe we'll talk about it later again um, definitely yeah yeah but this is something which is missing it's not that it's not needed or people are not looking for it okay we are not giving it to them okay now i'll move to uh, the uh, wisdom component of leadership and uh, why i couldn't repeat it so i haven't repeated it yet after intervention program i have taught the course twice but i couldn't do it one i did last year and during covid time i was not really comfortable in doing it because people were already under you know lot of uh, uh, duress and with mindfulness exercises and you know reflective exercises i was not really um, uh, comfortable whether it's a good idea or not also you know in a online format i'm not really sure how much such kind of a experiential learning can happen so i'm not very clear on that so last year i didn't do it before that uh, i was i was mentioning about my dst project and some of the other works i had initiated so i was like kind of a very busy with those and this kind of a intervention program requires a lot of uh, engagement and investment from instructors and i didn't had uh, that with me and i i didn't wanted to do something half heartedly so that is why i didn't initiated that uh, but i'm like really happy to tell you that in coming semester in winter semester i am planning to repeat it again uh okay that's exciting <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, and uh, so in between actually you know once i finished the uh, you know around the first time the intervention program i realized that there were certain uh, limitations and flaws in the process i followed and i wanted to change those uh so i was working on that but i hadn't finalized anything uh, and i as i said that last year i was not really clear that in an online mode how do you really go about it so uh, what i'm thinking right now and actually planning right now that instead of changing the methodology of the intervention program i'll follow the same one with a very small tweaking and uh, examine how can you do a same thing you know experiential learning and moral teaching and learning practice in an online or a blended setting because that's what we are following right now in the institute so i'm planning to do that in uh, coming semester so uh, uh, yeah so because um, recently i finished my dst work and i am finishing that report and also getting you know part and important insights what i have got from that work uh, getting published so that it can reach out to people what i got so at least i'm free from that now and i can focus here so that's the plan as of now mhm yes i wanted to ask you about whether it would be uh, possible in an online setting so thank you for uh, jumping to that but um so just so i understand a bit better was it i know you said engagement was an issue but was it like because you're not in one place like you don't have that same sense of connectedness or um what was do you think the major um block to that engagement Okay so uh, let me give you a brief about the way this intervention program happened that will tell you uh, you know why it's not a very good idea or maybe uh, something which needs to be looked into in right. an online setting right mm-hmm. so uh, before i even thought of launching the program i was very clear that i need something very structured you know uh, I-, i wanted something which is very prepared very set so all details were prepared when uh, something will be introduced when it will be assessed when a particular activity will happen uh, uh, how discussions will go on what will be the after class engagement all of that was meticulously planned every instruction was clearly noted down we wanted to be very clear on that uh, so you know there was a fixed day when we know that uh, this day i need to discuss this particular case and then then this mindful exercise will happen and then i'll give this homework to students so that they can practice it and then write in their journal uh, so all of that was prepared right and uh, 
because we are very clear that this is something like a inward journey which may require an additional support at any you know off timings so we had to be available for those uh, plus uh, uh, i was also the chairperson f- uh, for student wellbeing committee at our institute being a psychologist um, so you know i had that connect with the campus counselors and we have a peer mentor system here so i could prepare them also that if any such situation happen how can i connect such participants for my uh, course to those uh, facilities thangor it was not required nothing of such thing happened but we were prepared for it now if you look at all of these how do i make sure that all of this is possible even in online situation when i am here and my students are all over the country so uh, i was not very sure if that is possible or not so this is something what i want to venture into the next semester and see you know how i can modify so that we i still have the possibility of extending the support if required being available to them uh, in this online mode or a blended mode that's so amazing i was going to um ask about that as well so you touched on like how you you basically had a plan for everything you know you even had like that support system in place because you know as you said uh, beforehand um students are reflecting on their life and sometimes if you don't have that guidance uh self reflection can then turn into rumination and then obsession and then it's not safe but um yeah uh, inclusivity and safety are big priorities from what i can hear from you and as it should be um for any education course i think um so you know why do you think i mean this is definitely a big question but why do you think we don't have more of these uh courses because i know you said earlier you know students want it and they want to have a safe place to self reflect and the guidance of someone else and yet not many exist um so why do you think maybe that is oh uh, i think one is the format we are following in our education system it's very information oriented you know this is uh, i believe is fundamental flaws our education system has at most of the places you know uh, the recent uh, changes which are happening in education system across right uh, some which are like really appreciated you will find that they focus more on developing these uh, life skills uh, uh, some people also use the term soft skill i don't really agree with the term soft because they are much more harder than anything else so i believe they are life skills but our education format doesn't really have a space for it uh, recently in india also um, the education ministry launched the new education policy okay new education policy in 2020 which uh, came after like multiple decades you know and this new education policy is focusing on now on uh, you know things related to life skills starting from very typical things like you know uh, language and then uh, uh, artificial intelligence or machine learning or computer based knowledge but also along with that a lot more on uh, mindfulness related practices group based activities so changes are coming uh, but there are still uh, you know unique experimentation which is happening it's still not the norm so until unless it becomes a norm we know which system is working well and not necessarily the same system will work for everyone every place has a different you know culture and a soul to it mm-hmm. and you need to match it with that but there is some commonality which is you know uh, as a human we all have that basic psyche and basic psyche related needs you need to adhere to those and so uh, maybe we have still not reached that point of understanding that what is really needed and how do you really deliver it and also at different levels so you know uh, before i guess recording we were talking about what about small children what about university level education so how do you really deliver it at different levels that is something we still need to work on so it is not available mhm mhm so lots of work needs to be done but not that it's not possible um so 
you mentioned culture and culture and wisdom you know they're always intertwined and even though like you said there might be this like universal like underlying psyche of how we all have wisdom and so on uh culture does impact and that's why it's so important to recognize um so i was just curious is um wisdom or mindfulness is that more part of the lingo do you think that's why maybe it's better embraced uh in D india because i'd like to think that it's uh, also embraced here um, but I haven't really seen a reform in the education system to include more mindfulness and wisdom over here. Um, I can't really comment on mindfulness because uh, uh, I'm not really into that area too much. For me, mindfulness right now is a technique, one technique which can be used for multiple things. So I won't comment much on that. Uh, but uh, yes, I do agree because it's a part of a common lingo for us, you know, meditation, mindfulness. So people are much more, uh, I wouldn't say aware, but they're acquainted with the concept. Uh, wisdom very well. So and I believe wisdom in some ways uh, has been part of all cultures, you know, in some ways, maybe with not exactly same name, but the same intuitive meaning. Um, so it's uh, like, you know, even if we look at wisdom literature, all the implicit theories, what we have, there is a common theme which run across it, right? Uh, people identify similar uh, characteristics or virtues to associate with wisdom. They may give different weightage to it, but a common list, uh, you know, emerges every time you do it. So I believe it's part of almost all culture. This is, again, as I was saying, you know, this uh, sort of a part of a basic human psyche. Uh, the way we look at that, what is good? It's almost like, you know, that eudaimonic concept of happiness. No matter where you ask people, eudaimonic concept will always come with connection, meaning, you know, these are the common sort of things. Same goes for wisdom. Uh, I believe people will always talk about virtuous behavior, talking about, goodness for all you know all that sort of a thing um why it has not come into education or common practice because i think as a society as a culture and as a societal need you know it's all that uh, meso micro level of you know environment and ecology it determines when certain changes will occur so certain societies are much more in a position to initiate and embrace a change and certain other societies and cultures are working a different plane on some other changes maybe that is one of the reason not that people don't understand the value or importance of it so perhaps when we introduce this change in a person's life is also quite important um so we briefly touched on this um, but in terms of small children, for instance, let's say if we want to start early uh, and teach um, wisdom at younger ages, um, you know, how do you think, you know, would wisdom, uh, teaching for wisdom be possible in earlier grades or, you know, do you think it will be more challenging? I, I believe it's possible, obviously not in the same way, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, seeds of wise behavior can start, I don't know, very early because uh, let's say being compassionate, you know, uh, is something which is core, you know, that empathetic understanding, uh, compassion. It's uh, something like a core tenet of wisdom, which anyone can start at any point, you know, very small child. And it, it's a basic part of us, right? With children, you can easily actually, you can very easily see it in comparison to adults. If a small child is crying, another child in a vicinity will start crying, right? We may not do it, but they will do it. So we are <laughs> empathetic. It's already there. So uh, may not be the same thing. May, we may not, you know, start with, let's say, critical thinking at very young age, but there are other components which can be touched upon and which should be there. Right. If we want a society which is good for all, we have that harmony. We need to start with that. So I totally agree that it can happen at any level, uh, but we need to uh, you know, understand and match the levels and the requirements. I love that. And Dr. Bria, who was on here last, um, also said 
uh, something very similar, just as you said, it's very easy for them to have that empathetic response. He was also saying like, they're very insightful. Like sometimes they can say things that can really surprise you. Um, and in fact, um, Ellie Weisbaum, who was also with us earlier, um, she also, I think, either she used the, the metaphor of like seeds, of like, you know, planting seeds of wise behavior. Um, so I love all of that, like convergence, like the more you speak with people, the more you're like, ah, oh, yes, like everyone more or less agrees. Um, so I absolutely love that. Um, and so we kind of spoke about mindfulness uh, as well a bit early on, if we're going to get to the activities of your course. Um, you know, why did you choose the mindfulness uh, exercises that you chose? Okay, so uh, two reasons. First, why I chose mindfulness itself. Um, as I said that I wanted something which is very clear, you know, very structured, which is already out there with evidences that this works. So, you know, we have a whole lot of literature where we know that mindfulness works for these, these things. Uh, so mindfulness exercise was like an obvious choice if I'm looking for, you know, people to develop awareness, regulation, reflective thinking. Now coming to why specific activities, same reason that uh, uh, because uh, what I followed was uh, Kobitzin, you know, Professor Kobitzin's uh, that this gives us a whole list and procedure what you can follow. So there is an anecdote. There is an instruction, there is an exercise, and then you also have a facilitative dialogue, you know. So it gives you a whole structure of a plan, what you can follow. It is very appropriate for beginners. So even if, you know, somebody has never done any mindfulness exercise, even they can start with that. So it was uh, conducive for beginners. It was very detailed. It was easy for us to follow. And it tells us when to do what. So that was the reason I very specifically chose these. And it was going very well with other exercises, what I had in my mind to execute with these. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I see. So you mentioned that folks were beginners, as in so all the students were more or less on a level playing field, or did they need a certain background uh, to enter the course? So, of uh, course, no. Uh, anybody can register for the course and uh, uh, mostly it is for undergrad engineering students. So there weren't any uh, uh, other students. We obviously have master's and PhD students. But because I already had uh, like 222 students in the class, so I didn't have any scope for anybody else. Uh, so no background at such restriction. Anybody can join. And uh, it was an introductory sort of a course into the leadership area. Also, it was not any advanced course where I was going to talk about group dynamics or persuasion techniques. It was not that sort of a course. So the course content was also introductory one. So it was open for everyone. Amazing. And so we briefly spoke about how like leadership is important, especially for engineering students or anyone really. Um, so why did you, I thought this was really interesting, why did you choose to have like leadership case studies uh, for students? How was that analysis for them? Okay, so um, okay, let me start here. When you talk about wisdom in action, right? Uh, how do you really identify that this is a wise behavior? One of mm -hmm. the most common condition we see is when judgment, decision making, or you know, um, suggesting someone to you know, mentoring someone. Those are the situation when you really see wisdom in action easily. You know, there are criteria and parameters on which you can say that this is a wise behavior. And if you see this, uh, you know, mentoring and then uh, all of these, these are part and parcel of leadership behavior. If you are really looking at good leader, uh, I don't think there is any word like a bad leader. If someone is a bad leader, they are not leader at all. But let's say just as a placeholder, if I say good leader, who are good leaders? They are the one who are able to connect with people, their followers. They are the people who are part of the group. They are the people who get their power through, um, you know, people's belief on them, right? And then uh, this whole thing goes with mutual growth for both the leader and the follower. So 
leadership in a sense becomes a situation where you can see a wise behavior and its impact on a large set of followers right that was a very big reason why i thought that for this intervention program my leadership course is much more appropriate than the other courses i was teaching um also because it was for final year students they were mentally prepared that now i am going to get into a role where i need to practice it so they were mentally ready with that you know this is something necessary for me so their engagement level was influenced by their motivation so leadership helps you you know to see wisdom in action and that's why it was very specifically chosen and um the case discussions what we had uh it was already part of the course content even without intervention study uh, intervention program um because see when we talk about leadership virtues of leadership right when i say connectedness when i say understanding group dynamic or growth these are all related to you know virtues of uh, good leaders behavior they all come together in a very nice synergy you know uh, so let's say the cases i took uh, they were based on moral courage compassion selflessness uh, intellectual excellence now all of these you will also find associated with wisdom right so what happens is that the case studies i had for leadership and the virtues they were targeting and explaining through the life events of those good those famous leaders was in a very good position for me to create uh, that narrative simulation among students so that though they may not have life experiences of their own they can reflect on life events of somebody else's life you know so uh, for me to create that reflective thinking that experience level that uh, uh, simulation it was easier with all of these so that was very you know very conscious decision to choose leadership cases and the way i chose the leadership cases mhm i love that leadership lets you see wisdom in action i think that's super super key yes. um so you mentioned like that thing about um the synergy of like leadership and wisdom and everything coming together um and we all know that you chose the more model as like you know the the grounding for your course um why else did you choose the more model how do you think it um played with the activities that you had for the class all right so um see most of the wisdom models if we see well, i can sort of categorize into two one which tells you when wisdom is manifested how it is seen you know in behavior in action um uh, so for example three dimensional wisdom uh, model by monica adel right you see that okay wisdom happens at the cognitive affective and the reflective plane right so set of models which tells you how wisdom is seen then there are set of models which talk about that these are the characteristics or personality traits or you know any of those are needed for wisdom development those are sort mm-hmm. of you know uh, indicators of wisdom in people so more model is one such model which tells you that these are essential components for wisdom to initiate for the ontogenesis of wisdom there are other models as well uh, but the factors which are included in more model as a researcher i was more in agreement with those you know uh, like let's say mastery not exactly with that term but your belief on your own competence to handle things that's what mastery is so competence is always there in wisdom then openness no matter what theory of wisdom we say openness is always there right then reflectiveness same story experiences same story so uh more model has components which uh, i believe were all at the core of wisdom whereas if we look at other models uh, let me just give you an example so in another model we have humor as a component right um i personally don't agree that humor is essential for wisdom development for some people it may be i'm not denying that fact but if it's not there in someone uh, it doesn't mean that that person cannot have you know wisdom 
maybe it's coming from my own because I, I don't have much of a sense of humor and I would like to believe that I can develop wisdom and I'm on path of, you know, becoming better than before. Uh, but just because I don't have sense of humor, it shouldn't, you know, debar me from having it. So uh, not necessary, you know, that humor is needed. So there are components in other models which I was not really in agreement with, uh, uh, intellectually speaking more models seem more apt for it and obviously we had a lot of empirical support for that model also so you know with me as a early researcher who wanted something which is already proven and put that in a package it went well with my program what sort of work are you doing in india what sort of things are you doing Okay, so uh, uh, I just spoke about one of the work I started way back in 2013, uh, which was a government funded project where I was looking at wisdom more as, you know, cognitive capability, uh, uh, more as a decision making capability. I recently finished that work. uh, So I am sort of finishing that report. And I have also initiated some of uh, the additional things. Uh, you know, on a different dimensions. Uh, mm-hmm. So at one place, I'm looking at uh, wisdom and pro-environmental behavior and how we can connect it with, you know, specifically now, uh, you know, uh, during pandemic time, how people's stress and then source of it has changed to some other things. And then, you know, all that climate and all the environmental issues are pushed to back burner, but then it is again mm-hmm. coming back. So how all of that whole thing is happening, that's one work I'm uh, initiating right now. Another one, what I recently uh, uh, finished, uh, that is more on, again, on a development side, that how we can develop wisdom. Uh, so I actually wanted to talk about it during the interview also that one thing what I found is that, you know, in all wisdom literature, we find that people talk about uh, once you have experienced an event, how do you really process it? You know, those life experiences uh, help you to develop wisdom. You know, your, your life experiences influence it. But what I found is that there are certain uh, pre-inclination to how you approach life. I understand that in openness studies, we talk about it, but there is something more, which is very important. So that is one argument I am uh, developing. And I have done a piece of work there and I'm extending that work. Um, another one uh, where I'm combining wisdom with honesty and morality and then putting it on the plane of, you know, how do you combine with all the uh, anthropomorphic, uh, anthropomorphic uh, tendencies what we have. So how do you see wisdom, honesty, morality when you are thinking about a human, when you are thinking about an inanimate object and specifically when you're talking about an AI machine. So that's oh, yeah. another one uh, we have just conceptualized and we are starting that work. So these are some of the things I'm doing right now. You know, there's, I, I heard an interesting study. Um, I have to find his name. I think it's, his name is it's Peter, but I, I think it, I have to remember the last name. But it was about the way people respond to um, even human looking robots, you know, sort of like sort of how do people sort of interact with them? And like you said, what's our moral obligation to those? Things, right? So, and he set up an experiment with children where you, um, you know, imagine you've got a robot uh, and you lock it in a closet all day long. You know, so, uh, you know, but so depending on what the robot is, if it's just like a vacuum, you know, uh, something, then nobody seems to worry. But the more it acquires these sort of human uh, capabilities to you know, interact with you, then the more people feel that it's immoral to do something like that. So, mm-hmm. so anyways, that seems like it might be um, something that would be related to what you're saying, but mm-hmm. I'll try yes. to find out who that is. But does that seem, is that the kind of thing that you're saying? Like, I'm wondering. Yes, exactly. Yes, totally, totally. So, uh, you know, um, the whole definition of this honesty and morality, there are different variations of those, right? You were talking about moral obligations and people also have different ways of defining it. And they also uh, make compromises depending upon some of other factors. You know, if their own self-interest is involved or uh, uh, if it is just completely outside of their own interest, it's about other people. 
so there is a lot going on over there and then i'm also trying to bring in the uh, indian philosophy there because in indian philosophy there is a lot uh, discussion on you know what is the most uh, ideal moral plane you know in bhagavad gita there is a lot uh, talked about it uh so mm-hmm. i'm trying to bring in that component also so i totally agree it's uh, totally connects with the part you were talking about and i'm sort of adding few more things into the mix um you reminded me like i guess if i take different traditions like say um hinduism or buddhism or jainism they've got different um ways of understanding even what human nature is about what the ultimate aims of our our life would be about and it seems like when people think about wisdom they often connect to that um, do you think that makes a difference even in terms of what uh, the new project or even the sort of educating for wisdom if people are educating i mean for example here there's a lot of you know indian traditions like yoga or actually these different say religion philosophies that are very popular in north america um, but because they seem to offer something different than what we would have had before so you know in for example in christianity or uh, some other tradition so i guess my question is does that does that relate to what you're you're saying in terms of what what we could be aspiring to if we're educating for wisdom um i'm not really sure but one thing what i was um very clear till now that i don't want to mix religion and cultural practices spirituality mm-hmm. is one thing and that is why you know mindfulness is okay but even you know uh, i sort of uh, shy away from using meditation you know because mm-hmm. uh, in lay people the concept of meditation is at times mixed with a uh, very specific uh, hindu practice right uh, and uh, obviously india being a very diverse country you have people with all different religions and at times people feel uncomfortable so i have been very conscious is in not using those it's a very significant uh, uh, component a topic but it's a very sensitive one uh, so uh, i believe there is uh, something important there but i haven't really ventured into that dimension yet mm-hmm. i don't yeah. know if i'm like really prepared for it uh, yet no you're right it's very difficult to uh... find a way to sort of especially bring it into like a secular school yes. system right yes but one thing i want to go back to that you mentioned you said certain you need certain preconditions to be wise and you mentioned openness and then you said uh, among others like what other things were you thinking of like what else do you think you would need to be Um, so sort of thing. yeah so see um, uh, actually one of uh, the just my upcoming paper i'm talking about that so i have tried to sort of you know uh, among other things as i said action orientation is a term right um, mm. it may seem like a similar thing but it's not so let's say i'm an open person but i have inaction tendencies so i wait my life to bring me different experiences whereas mm-hmm. i can be an open person who goes out of the way to seek new experiences okay mm-hmm. so that's how action orientation and openness uh, comes together but i didn't find any work where wisdom and action orientation is combined and you know people have looked at that what is really happening there so in that this uh, work of mine what i really found was on which i am basing this argument and starting my exploration there is that even though people who were really uh, scoring high on wisdom uh, sorry openness as well as action orientation they felt more regret right in the uh, some of the experimental task i had they still had more satisfaction okay so the regret was less if you are only open or if you only have high action orientation tendency uh, in comparison to if you are high on both but the satisfaction level was maximum among those people only you know who were experiencing lot of regret and my interview uh, with those people a common theme what i found was they were saying that at least i tried you know okay. though i failed at it but i tried it i experienced it and i'm happy and i'm satisfied with my experience doesn't matter the outcome and to me this narrative connects with wisdom at a very different level you know it's important 
So when we say that from life experiences, the kind of if and then rules you create for yourself, it matters a lot. So it seems that these people are going with a very different philosophy, a very different inclination, the way they will process these life experiences later on, right? Mm. So action orientation is one such thing in addition to openness. And there are maybe another ones. There are different things which is happening there. I want to dwell deeper into it. Oh, that's great. So you just, you have the idea of action, a tendency and open it, and then other ones you're going to look to see what so do you have any other, say, intuitions of what might be important? So, uh, see, another thing, I uh, I haven't really made up my mind yet, but a bit of what I'm saying from the literature is uh, related to more of, you know, what is called as a psychological mindedness, you know? Some people who like to go within, you know, knowing themselves more. There are some people who try to um, look outside. I'm not saying extroversion, introversion, but, you know, it's more of some people like to explore themselves a lot. They try to think about how they think, what is happening within them. That I'm referring as a psychological mindedness. Uh, I believe that is that also makes people... Uh, having a different kind of a inclination, the way they approach toward life. Uh, yeah, as of now, I think I have these two in my mind, which which is which has some literature in psychology. Other than that, I just have some you know raw thoughts which I haven't really crystallized yet. It will take some time. Oh, definitely. Did you know Paul Baltes? So you know, surely Paul Baltes, his um. So besides his wisdom work, but very closely related, he had this idea of regret as being very important to psychological development. Um, and it's this German term, Zehnsucht. Um, mm -hmm. So he was, and I think he was just heading in that direction, um, in, say, when, when he died. So I don't think he's done a lot of research, but I, I heard some of the people in his lab had done like some pilot stuff. But that's something that seems like it would be really closely related to what you're saying, because what it is is people who always wanted, for example, you might say to yourself, I always want to be a writer. Um, but in the end, I realized that I just say don't have the talent for it or, you know, but it's something that you would have tried, I, I think, in the way that you're saying, like you would have explored, actively explored it and then you still hold on to this idea and, and you learn something from it. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really a great, I say a, a great idea. Actually, this whole work of mine is inspired by uh, Professor Balch's work. So this whole regret I chose because I was following Berlin Wisdom Paradigm in that project of mine. I wanted to look at, you know, decision making tasks where there'll be uh, forced failures and then what really happened when failure is there and then regret is experienced. So this whole work I designed, uh, you know, taking inputs from some of these works only. So do you know this work then of his on that I was just mentioning? Yes, a um, bit, yes. Oh, good. Well, so, you know, well, that makes total sense then what you're saying. Like, so, and is that something you've finished and you're going to be publishing it? Or do you have any, like, pilot, like, stuff that yeah, you've done? So, yeah, so I have actually finished uh, one experiment I had uh, in my mind and uh, one paper out of it just about to come. Maybe it will be uh, by the end, it will be published end of this month. Really? So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so and there is a few more things what I like really found like they are insightful, but I still need to uh, match it with the literature we have already got. Uh, so hmm. and I also need to do that whole lot of qualitative analysis, which is like really time consuming. So hmm. uh, thank God for technology that at least the transcribing is easier now. Otherwise, right. you know, transcription in itself. And so right now I'm doing all that uh, qualitative analysis, what I have got for uh, all the protocols I have. So once that is done, then there'll be a um, few more um, publications out of those. So uh, I'm hopeful maybe in next six months or so, I'll be able to finish those as well. Um, and so we only technically have one other questions because you kind of answered another question with your chat through Michelle. Um, and it's simply this. Um, some folks believe that wisdom is gained through life, family, religion, and just out of school programs. 
what would you say to those folks? What would you say to those people who say that you, it's, look, it's just not possible to teach wisdom in a formal education setting? Okay, so see, my answer would be a straightforward one statement, and then I'll get into the uh, description of it, that they have got education wrong. Uh, If they believe that wisdom should not be or cannot be taught in an educational setup, be it a school setting, be it a university setting, they have got education wrong. Because education is not imparting information, right? Even no matter which university you pick up, take their vision document, look at that first statement, it will never say, you know, it's imparting information. It will always say along the lines that they are preparing people for life, for knowledge, for if I I, I can use one Hindi word, Gyan or Vidya. Uh, That is something what every education, educational system aspire to give it to their uh, people. And if we say that that is the aim of education, then wisdom is core to it because that's exactly what we are talking here about. It's about that capability, if I can, you know, sort of a paraphrase it in my own words, not a very proper technical definition, but, you know, wisdom is something which prepares you to live life better, in a better way for yourself and people around you, whosoever is connected to you. If that's the most simplest thing, and it's sort of you know something within you a capability and which can be developed which sort of i had tried to prove with this intervention program of mine uh, then that is something exactly in line with the vision of education right so i'm not saying you're negating that uh, life experiences or family or uh, relationship relation uh, they do not contribute significantly to development of wisdom. I'm saying you cannot compartmentalize life. It's an individual, it's one system. So you cannot separate it, right? And then you can't also separate wisdom and education. Uh, So I was uh, mentioning Professor Ferrari, I would uh, again would like to say that uh, I belong to a Brahmin family. My father was a Sanskrit scholar. So, uh, you know, we had a lot of discussion. So uh, if you can allow me, I would like to read two uh, shlok. I'll also tell you the translation of it. So one says, Vidya Dadati Vinayam. Okay. Vidya Dadati Vinayam, Vinayad Yati Patratam, which means that knowledge gives you humility. You, it makes you humble. And when you have humbleness, it makes you, uh, you know, a candidate for good things in life. Okay. Mm. So Vidya or education is supposed to make you a candidate for good things in your life. And that can only happen when you have humility. And humility always connects with wisdom. We know that it's already there. We have uh, evidences for it. Another one, uh, which is very important, that says, Tat karma yanna bandhaya, sa vidyaya vimuktaye, aya saya param karma, vidyanya shilpa punadiram. This means that when action which does not promote attachment, that is wisdom, it liberates you from bondage of all and all other actions which are pointless, which are hardship, because they only give you information of another skill they don't liberate you so vidya or education is supposed to liberate you it is supposed to give you things which clears you from the bondage of pointless thing everything else is a skill so Hmm. in a modern society we cannot ignore the skill component it is needed but that doesn't mean we should be ignoring the other part and that's where people are going wrong and uh, uh, some of the discussion I and uh, Kiana had that education is missing this component and possibly all the popular uh, reformations which are happening across the globe is going in that line. So we talk about, let's say, Finland model of education, right, which focuses so much on different concepts. But if you see why it is appreciated so much, we will find that it is following certain core themes core themes of what you need to prepare people for. What do you need to 
create in people. That's what we need. And I believe uh, I was talking about the new education policy which came in India last year. That is also following similar, you know, uh, a pattern and a theme. So uh, answer to that question is uh, they have got it wrong. They need to change uh, their viewpoints. I love that. Thank you so, so much, Dr. Sharma. My pleasure. Well, if I push you a little farther, what about um, policies? For example, the law, you know, say we've got the speed limit. <laughs> it makes me much wiser about driving because uh, I would like to go, you know, to double my speed. Uh, but it probably isn't safe. Or sometimes they even post it, uh, you know, say don't go past this, uh, this speed on, say, on this turn. All those types of things are even, I think in some supermarkets, they've, in some countries, they've made it a law that you can't put, let's say, candy and gum just as you're standing, like, ready to, like, check out. Like, all those things could help you. Do you think that should be a part of our educating for wisdom? Yes, I totally agree. Totally. Because, see, even in wisdom, we say that, uh, you know, uh, being aware of your own biases and being able to control them. This mm. in sort of indicates that this is something to aspire for, which is not easy. And it takes time to do that, right? And then you can't expect everybody to master it at any point of time. Maybe, you know, and also we have biological limitations. So we know that uh, with older age, the temptation or the inhibitory control that goes down slightly, uh, even in the normal aging process. Uh, and then same, you can't expect that from children. So what can be done is that these policies can be supportive. It can help an individual uh to be on you know on a better position in terms of a behavior and an action uh but that's not enough in itself that creates an environment make people more educated about the implications what they need to know is realize it and then internalize it hmm. the external imposition is supposed to be facilitative it's hmm. not enough in itself. So uh, I think that's where uh, uh, the importance comes of a program like these, like wisdom education, that you may have policies, but you also need to have these programs as a part and parcel of education itself so that people think about it. People have some analysis and thoughts of their own on that matter. 